Hey everyone, welcome to Simplexity, where we simplify the complexities of life and add a little curiosity and contemplation to meaningful and sometimes difficult conversations. I'm your host, Allison Stoner. What is lean, green, and printed by a machine? Money. Why does it even exist? That is a bazillion dollar question. And today we are talking about money, how it shapes our identity and experience, and also how we can find financial security for ourselves and others. On the show, we have Aja George, a longtime friend of mine and one of my favorite humans on planet Earth. He started out as a popper in L.A., which led him to dance with Kiki Palmer, Miley Cyrus, Omarion, Chris Brown, Justin Bieber, and more. We shared the screen, actually, in Step Up 3D and other projects. But when Aja realized he wasn't fulfilling his purpose... He bravely and boldly took the finance world by storm, using his storytelling skills to help people unleash their potential every day, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, and of course, financially. He helps run multiple offices in Nashville and also in Orlando, and he shows people how they can be their own entrepreneur. They can be completely debt-free, financially independent, and basically live their lives the way they want. So, without further ado, welcome to the show, Aja. Hi. So good to be here. I've been like waiting for this for so long, so it's good to see you. (laughs) Likewise. So let's go back to the beginning first. What is your first memory of money? Was your opinion and understanding of money growing up positive or negative? Well, you know, it's actually interesting. Growing up, I didn't have much of an opinion of money. I know it existed. (laughs) But um, it wasn't really until about middle school, but really high school, uh, that I started to understand the impact that it had on my life. In high school, what happened was I went out of district. um, To I was born and raised in Los Angeles, and I went to Beverly Hills High School. And at Beverly Hills High School, just like most people would naturally think, there is a lot of money. And I was not part of that. So um, I think that's when I really started to realize that our family wasn't as financially stable as I I had originally thought. And that's when I started to think, you know, it kind of sounds a little sad, but I was like, man, my family might be broke. So it definitely wasn't a positive. It was probably more negative. I didn't really let it affect me too much. But I think what happens is in your subconscious mind, right? You see that every day and you feel those feelings every day. And then you start to think, why is life so different for us? And speaking of the subconscious and conscious mind, what changes have you consciously had to make to your beliefs about money as you've grown up and pursued entrepreneurship and and all the different careers? As I've studied a lot more over the past few years, um, and I've surrounded myself with people that I would consider to be financially stable, uh, you know, have a prosperity consciousness, I realized that a lot of those things were uncomfortable thoughts, uncomfortable uh, subjects to talk about. And, uh, you know, growing up, we've all heard sayings like, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, right? Or, um, you know, money is the root of all evil. Or what do I look like? Do I look like I'm made of money? Or, Or simply like we can't afford that. So as I started to realize that that was my subconscious level thinking, I did my best to actually start to change that subconscious level thinking. And, um, That's kind of been my journey for the past few years and my journey of also educating other people because I feel like that's something that's very, very powerful and um, most people need to hear. So what kind of resources and concepts have you adopted? Where did you start? Who do you read? That's a really good question. So I started dancing at 17. 
and which is kind of late for most dancers. But uh, for me, whatever reason, God kind of blessed me and put me around the right people to help me have the career that I had. And um, I look back and it was just incredible. The people I got to dance with, the people I got to meet. I made a lot of money while I was dancing and blew it all. Like I had no idea how money works. Mm. You know, I made a lot of money. And so whenever I would make money, I would give it away. And my friends loved it because I would take them out to dinner. You know, I would buy them gifts. Uh, but at the end of the day, I was living paycheck to paycheck. And there was really no reason for me to be living that way. Um, I retired from dance at a fairly young age and ended up taking a regular job in retail. And that's not at all where my thinking changed. I was still living paycheck to paycheck, getting rid of all my money. And then I got introduced to the financial industry. And that's when I started to meet people that were financially successful and not living paycheck to paycheck, which was a big deal. And they taught people about money. So they started introducing me to books. And the most classic one that I think everybody's heard of, obviously, is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I read that book. And I remember the first time I read it, I was like, this is complicated. I don't get it. <laughs> I wasn't a very good reader. And so what I did actually was I started to listen to videos and listen to audiobooks. I had it in my paradigm that I didn't like reading. So I, I started listening and, and reading and watching videos. And so I started watching videos of Bob Proctor, Joe Dispenza, Tony Robbins, right? All of these different people that would give different insights on the subconscious mind, how to kind of reprogram your thinking. And that's kind of what did it all for me. Yeah. What did you do during your times of personal struggle? Like what lessons did you learn about your personality? You've mentioned some of them, mm -hmm. um, but also like how the financial system works. It, how did you actually mechanically change your situation? I think environment is, is everything. You know, there's a quote out there that says something to the effect of um, your environment is stronger than your willpower. Right. And you want to surround yourself with people that are either where you want to be or um, just ahead of you in life. And so when I started hanging out with people that uh, were making the level of income I wanted or had the type of lifestyle that I wanted see in the dance industry, I spent a lot of time around, no offense, but like not you, obviously, but, but around broke people. And I think being <laughs> I think being broke isn't necessarily a it's not a money issue. It's a mindset issue. It's the way that we think mm -hmm. about it. And I knew people that were making a lot of money and yet they always complain about it. I was like, well, I don't understand how you're making so much and you're complaining about it. But at the same time, I was doing the same thing. I was making money and then complaining about it. And so I think number one was getting around the right people. They just had a completely different mindset about how money worked and what it was able to do for people. And uh, they're some of the most generous people that I know. They're some of the nicest people that I know. They, you know, they give back. Like when you make a lot of money, you give back a lot of money if that's the kind of person that you are. And um, mm. I remember when I first told my mother that I was being mentored uh, by very wealthy people, she, her first words out of her mouth were, be careful. And I thought that was so interesting because in her mind, wealthy people were evil people. And later on, I kind of found out that people are programmed to think that way. Because if you think about all of the movies that we watch, the wealthy people are typically the bad guys of the movie, right? right. And so programming kind of has that all around us Power. all of the time. Yeah. And so um, I started spending it around the right people, having different kinds of conversations, um, and then, you know, this, uh, very well, but meditation and self-hypnosis, that was a big, big part of the transformation because I wanted something that would have a faster effect. 
you can read all the books, watch all the videos, listen to all the, all the audios, but that's all going to get stuck at your, your critical factor. It's all going to get stuck at your conscious mind if it's a different idea from what you have in your subconscious mind. So those were, those were some of the things that I was able to incorporate into my life that really changed the way that I live my life now. And now you're teaching people, which is beautiful. And That's I think cool. we don't ever really fully learn anything until we're able to teach oh, it. Oh, absolutely. You know, Jim Quick so, says, um, as soon as you learn something, uh, teach it. Because when you teach something, you learn it twice. And um, I make that a very, very big point in my life. I read a lot of books nowadays. And um, as soon as I read, I try to teach somebody. I call somebody, you know, I, um, I text somebody. I'm like, hey, I just learned this. And when you do that, it just tends to stick with you a little longer. So you're working with people a lot nowadays, um, especially millennials and young people. Oh. What are the most common mistakes or challenges people within our generation um, have to overcome to reach our goals? This is a hard question to answer for me because I think some millennials are this way and some aren't, but I think more are this way. And that is that they think they know everything because of Google, right? And because of the internet age and the iPhone and information is just so easily accessible that people think that they can just know so much right away. I think that's part of the problem with millennials is that they're not as open-minded sometimes, right? Now, on the contrary, and this is why this, this question is so hard to answer. I think on the contrary, some millennials are some of the most quote unquote woke that we've ever seen, right? Mm. Because they are, they are just so open to the information that they're willing to take in anything. You know, the, uh, what is it? The baby boomer generation, the boomers, uh, they're like, oh, millennials are this and that. Well, the reality is there are boomers that are just like that too, right? So <laughs> we can't really pigeonhole anybody into, into one thing, but that's, that's one. Uh, the second one is they're so passion driven that they're willing to drop everything for their passion where they're not actually stable in their own life. And sometimes because of that, like I know a lot of millennials that travel a lot and they claim to be trying to find themselves. But in my opinion, you don't find yourself by traveling. You find yourself by actually looking inside. Right. And you got to understand yourself. You have to really study yourself in order for you to be able to um, just kind of make the changes that you need necessary to be able to live the life that you want to live. So those are the two I would say are the biggest things. And I fell victim to both of them at some point in my life too. So uh, proud to say that I was able to change, be open-minded um, and really just self-reflect and be aware of who I am and who I wanted to be and shift the way that I think. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I wanted you to tackle this topic with me for people because we're not coming in knowing all the answers like a financial expert that we may have seen on the right. screen. Mm -hmm. um, we're representing the people who have had to figure it out. I mean, I know people will hear this and go, Allison, you didn't have to figure out anything. <laughs> but as we're unpacking, money is so related to identity and your belief system yeah. that I, I could have had all kinds of privilege and opportunity around me, and I have, mm -hmm. but not been able to understand what to do with it or how to sustain myself after those sources of revenue are no longer um, available. Yeah. So I'm learning so much about money, and you've been so helpful. You've sent me oh, every good. possible video and book <laughs> under the sun. <laughs> so I want to recognize here that access and opportunity are not equal across the board. There are other systemic barriers um, for financial hardship, and I want to respect that. Um, but some some barriers for financial security are within our control. Mm -hmm. Would you say on top of beliefs, there are 
some other practical barriers that we can change about how we approach money? There's a severe injustice that's happening in America in the way that financial education is distributed and shared. I think that's the number one place that that we could get better um, is how we're taught. You know, less than like 8% of America has to go through financial education to graduate from high school. It's literally like five states or something like that. And then we wonder why everybody ends up in debt, right? And nobody knows how to save money. And the average person that's retiring doesn't have enough money to retire. Right. And so I think the, the first place is financial education. I was listening to an uh, to an interview, a gentleman by the name of Ray Dalio, one of the wealthiest people in the world. And uh, he has a book called Principles that's incredible. But uh, he was talking about the wealth gap that's happening between the wealthy people and middle income and how it's just getting larger and larger. And a big part of it is lack of education. That's why I do what I do, by the way, is because I know that most people will not get a financial education in school or ever. The only people that they ever get financial education from is, guess what? Their parents. But what were their parents? Mm -hmm. Were their parents wealthy or not wealthy? Probably not that wealthy, right? And so you end up with third and fourth generation uh, on welfare because they're getting taught the same thing over and over and over and over. And that changes kind of continues. So in terms of your own evolution, have you noticed that learning financial responsibility has trickled into other areas of self-improvement overall? Absolutely. 100%. Um, I think once you understand that money is simply energy and, um, you know, whether you believe in God and you believe in a higher power or a source, uh, or you rather you believe in like science, you know, just simply energy, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It's simply transferred. And that's exactly what money is. So once we learn that about money, and we know that we don't have to create it. All we have to do is attract it into our lives. And that's kind of everything. Understanding myself, understanding the way that my thoughts work, understanding my subconscious mind, understanding that everything is energy um, has completely transformed the way that I live my life and the way that I even communicate with people and what I believe about um, who I'm supposed to be. You know, I had this struggle for a very long time where I didn't believe that I was supposed to be wealthy. I think I wanted to be wealthy, but I didn't actually believe that I was supposed to be wealthy. By the way, I think most people that are listening to this podcast, they want more money, but they're afraid to admit it. Mm. And what's difficult about that is there's a contradiction, which means that you're actually, you actually don't believe that you deserve the money, which means that you won't ever get the money. That, that makes it really difficult to be able to attract those things into your life. But once you understand the subconscious mind and being able to attract things into your life, it changes everything from physical health to um, financial wealth, to uh, mental health, and just everything, everything I think can be affected by it. So yes, I would say absolutely. Yeah, I mean, a recurring theme in my life was that I limited my potential with my attitude of scarcity. You know, I always believed I didn't have enough, that there wasn't enough for me. It was survival of the fittest. Mm. Life would always be a struggle. And a a few years ago, I started hearing people speak about prosperity and abundance. And at first I was really against the idea because I (laughs) misunderstood it as materialism Mm-hmm. or selfish greed and ambition. And now I'm beginning to change my view toward one of abundance and gratitude, especially. And, you know, something I've learned is that the number of dollars in your bank account does not automatically correlate to your perceived sense of financial security. Yeah. You can have a billion dollars and still be afraid that there's not enough. Um, And you can have $1 and declare that life is abundant. Mm -hmm. So we can all be learning the same lesson just through very different circumstances. Absolutely. 
Um, now, you've mentioned to me before the concept of a terror terror barrier. Mm-hmm. Can you explain a little bit about that and what prosperity consciousness overall looks and feels like? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the terror barrier was something I actually learned from studying Mr. Bob Proctor. You have an idea and your subconscious mind doesn't agree with that idea. And then the conscious mind just will say yes or no, and it'll kick that thing out. So for example, wealth, you've been introduced to the idea of prosperity and you're like, oh no, I don't, I don't believe in materialism, whatever that is. It's really just your critical mind. That's the terror barrier saying, oh, money isn't good. Money isn't good. Money isn't good. Because that's what's kind of been programmed into your subconscious mind. And when it hits that terror barrier, it's a new idea. And so what happens is your conscious mind kicks it out and says, no, that's not for you. What's really crucial here to get is that we might assume because it feels wrong that we're protecting ourselves Mm -hmm. by not allowing it in. Mm -hmm. But that assumption underneath is that our first programming was perfect. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is our first program is anything but perfect. Yeah. You know, we didn't have all of our child developmental needs met mm-hmm. perfectly, politics, media, <laughs> all of these different influences. Yep. So now we have to actually almost stand as a witness to our own belief system yep. at large and allow new things to be introduced that might be really unsettling and they they shake up the foundation but ultimately yeah. on the other side can lead to completely new frontiers. Absolutely. And that's the scary part is, you know, Joe Dispenza talks about this too. Uh, he has a genius book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. You know, when you have this habit, most people will have a habit of being in anxiety or being in fear and they don't even realize it. And their body just goes through it on a daily basis, right? And over 90% of the thoughts that we think on a daily basis are the same thoughts we had before. And if we're always thinking about fear and anxiety, right, eventually what happens is that starts to affect our body physically. Uh, Once you understand that you can't live in that constant cycle of fear and anxiety and doubt and ignorance, right, and you got to study these things, then it completely changes the way that you can live your life. So, yeah, I highly recommend that book. It's one of my favorite books of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick break and then we'll come right back for more. Awesome. Welcome back. We're here hanging out with Aja George talking about money, 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 <laughs> but not more problems. <laughs> um, so I want to ask an interesting question, or at least it piqued my interest. Do you think our worth and our salary are related? And if so, how? I don't believe that our worth is related to our salary, but I do believe that the value we bring to the people around us does eventually become correlated to our salary. First of all, I think everybody would agree that hard work does not equal more money. Everybody knows somebody that works really, really hard and is still living paycheck to paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. Hard work does not equate to money. You also have to bring value. And then you also have to have a prosperity consciousness. Most people, they simply live in fear and scarcity. They're always thinking about the next bill, their next, you know, due date, rent, credit cards, all of this stuff. They're focusing all of their energy on on that. Whereas if you're able to live in gratitude and and for lack of better terms, just know that everything is going to be okay. And then you continue to try to bring value to the people around you. Then I think eventually your prosperity consciousness rises and then your eventually your salary will rise. Like if you look at the top 10 people, uh, the top 10 wealthiest people in the world, right? They all brought tremendous value. They all worked really hard, but they all worked really smart. They saw a niche or they saw a need and they brought value to that. 
companies like Amazon and Apple and, uh, you know, Alibaba and, you know, all of these different companies, they brought tremendous value to the entire world. And that's why they became some of the wealthiest and largest companies ever. And so I wouldn't say necessarily somebody's worth. I think somebody's worth is priceless. So you can't put a number on worth. But somebody's value, their salary will be determined by the value that they bring. And potentially how much they allow themselves to believe that they're worth. And speaking of that, as an artist, I have a long history of doing gigs for free Mm -hmm. and or being underpaid, Mm -hmm. um, which is common. Whether you're on salary or you're you're freelancing gig to gig, it can be difficult to stand up for yourself in terms of pay. Because if you demand more, they'll just say next and someone Mm -hmm. else will slide in eager to have that credit on their resume. So how do we get better at requesting an appropriate salary for our energy experience and the value that we know we're bringing? This is one of the reasons why I left the dance industry. The dance industry is one of those places where your value is diminished because there are other people that will do what you were paid to do at a much lower rate. That makes it really tough because when you try to stand up for yourself, even if you had a group of people trying to fight and stand up for themselves, there will be people that undercut that and do it just for you know minimal pay or even just exposure. That's a big word, right? In the dance industry. There, there's a book called The Science of Getting Rich and it talks about competitiveness versus creativeness. And most people are being so competitive that they never tap into their creative side. And then they end up bringing other people down in order that they can be higher. Um, I heard a quote one time that said, if you want to build the biggest building in in town, you can either tear everybody else's down or you can just build yours taller. People will literally stab people in the back at an opportunity. And once that starts to shift and people realize that there's enough out there for everybody, that's the problem is people have such a fear and scarcity mindset that they don't believe that there's enough out there for everybody, but there is. And so that's kind of one of the reasons why I left, but I actually stood up to one of the jobs one time, Uh, me and my two buddies, uh, Shoni and Terrence, we say, we're not, you promised us a rate and now you're telling us you're not going to give us that rate and we don't appreciate that. And it was really, really scary. When you're willing to walk away from something, then you realize that you really have something to fight for. We were, and it was a big job. The job was actually going to just let us go. And we were like, wow, that's, that's the dance industry. But luckily, like the guy running the whole thing said, you know what, I really want them. And so this is where our value came in. We were irreplaceable for that particular job, which is why we ended up continuing to do that job because they ended up giving us what we wanted. But we got replaced for it the next job. Always, yeah, it won't <laughs> always work like that. Exactly. And that's the and scary part because you don't control right. your own destiny in the dance world. You have to succumb to the way other people want you to look or sound or dance. You really don't control your own destiny. And it's kind of just a crapshoot, you know? Right. Or you forget that you can generate your own opportunity. Right. Which Um, has happened a lot more recently than in the past. When I was in the industry, social media didn't exist. So if you were a dancer, you relied on someone else's fame to make money. Nowadays, Mm -hmm. it's a little different, which I'm actually really happy about because you can actually generate and create your own brand and Mm -hmm. be the face of your own brand and be your own marketing and all of that. Then the question becomes, though, how do you build a business around that? Because if you stop dancing, then your income stops. Yeah, you still need a financial literacy and business model and know how to make projections and some of these other hard skills that we definitely didn't learn in school and definitely not in the 
dance studio. I want to go back to what you said about competitiveness versus creativity. It reminds me of a concept that I'm learning in a book called Zero Marginal Cost Society. And the author is explaining a, a common concept about how, you know, the Fortune 500 companies and the, the big monolithic beasts that are controlling so much of the market will actually go to great lengths to cut off these entrepreneurial endeavors mm. that are bringing newer, better, cleaner, greener, safer technologies mm. to, the, to the forefront because they have to protect their capital, their, you know, their yeah. economic gain and control. And it's just so fascinating that instead of being more collaborative in our efforts toward a, a, a safer and better society for mm -hmm. everyone, we still stay in that mind frame in a way that the larger companies, even though they're making billions of dollars, they still have a, a fearful mindset. Yeah, um, it's so we have to, you know, redesign the human narrative at large. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we'll see that changing our capitalistic society in Absolutely. the next 50 years, especially as this author is explaining. I'm like, oh, okay, I've got a lot to yeah. think about. Um, do you have any final thoughts or um, your top recommendations for people? We've mentioned a lot of different authors, so I hope mm -hmm. people are taking notes and they can check them out. I've read just about everything you reference because you shared it with me <laughs> at some point. Um, Good stuff, but are right? there any others? I think there's a there's a really classic book out there that everybody should read. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, uh, by Robert Kiyosaki. It'll change the way that you view where your money is being spent, uh, whether you're being whether they're being spent on liabilities or assets and at the end of the day, you got to know the rules of money if you want to win at the game of money. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I think is a really good book. And then as crazy as it sounds, but I've gotten wealthier and wealthier as I learn more about myself and my subconscious mind. In order to be wealthy, there's a few things. You have to have the prosperity consciousness. You got to do the work, right? But you also have to have a good vehicle, right? It's really difficult to, to make money in a vehicle. Like if you're just in a crowded space, in a crowded industry, then it's really tough. Right. So that's where creativity comes in. Um, but for example, right now, the financial industry is huge. Why? Because the baby boomer generation is all retiring. It's like 70 trillion dollars or something crazy that's being transferred. You know what I mean? Obviously, if you're going to go into business, which I recommend everybody have some sort of side business, at least you got to look at timing. You got to look at the vehicle that you're in. So I, I recommend reading business books as well. Everything really comes down to the subconscious level. So things like You Were Born Rich by Bob Proctor, uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Uh, Mr. Uh, Jim Fortin has a lot of audios, a lot of videos. I actually wrote down a whole list of all these things. And then books like uh, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Like, I love books like that because it helps you kind of change your mindset and, and change the way that you think. There's a book by Carol Dweck called Mindset, where she talks about fixed versus growth mindset. Always be on a trajectory of growth. Always be going up. I am better today than I was yesterday, but I will be better tomorrow than I am today. Right? And just kind of continue to live that way. And so study, 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 so if, and then take action. That's the most important part. If people want to go deeper with you, how can they find you and even pitch you their ideas and what their vision is and get your help and assistance? Absolutely. Uh, so I'm most active right now on Instagram. It's just Aja George, A-J-A-G-E-O-R-G-E. -E. I respond to every message. I look at them all. I also share a ton of books. I read about a book a week. So, you know, you can message me and ask me what my takeaways were or recommend books to me. I always love that too. I feel like one of my gifts is to help people become more open-minded and then put them on a path to help them become the better person that they want to become. 
And so if you have any questions for me in that way, then I'd be more, more than happy to. I'm here for everybody. Um, it's true. So. <laughs> I can attest to that. Man, now I miss you. I wish you were here in LA. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm going to have to travel down there just to, uh, just to see you again. And, um, you know, by the way, I want to, I want to end with this. I've, I've known you for a very, very long time. And for whatever reason, right, just from that like moment, I knew that we were going to be in each other's lives for a very, very long time. And to see who you've become and who you continue to become. Um, I like to say that we're human becomings, not human beings, right? Because we're always changing. We're always growing. And every time I speak with you, whether it be on the phone or through text, I just feel proud. I'm like, man, you've, you've grown so much. You're doing so much. You're impacting people's lives. To see you, you talk about my shift from dance to finance, but I love your shift too, because in my opinion, you were one of the greatest performers. You know, people would always ask me, like, who are some of your favorite performers? And you were always one of them. I think you're incredible on stage, your your presence, your charisma. And it's scary to go from one industry to another. And what you're doing is just incredible. So um, I want to give you that level of respect. I love you and I love everything you're doing. So keep it up. And I want to be more a part of it, too. Thank you. Received <laughs> mutual feels and yes, let's build together. Absolutely. I have ideas. I'll run Perfect. them by you. Okay. I'll be, I'll like be hitting that. you up on Instagram. <laughs> um, once it. again, that's Aja George, Instagram.com slash Aja George. That's right. From dance um, to finance. That's me. Okay. So we'll put a pause here. I know people have so much to learn from you. So please t take advantage of the opportunity. He's making himself available and uh, and he wants to serve with his gifts and wisdom and, and you deserve it. You deserve to move forward in whatever you're doing with your life right now. Um, so I hope if nothing else, you listen to this episode and you're reminded, wow, yeah, there's more to this world and my experience here in this body. And no matter what circumstance I'm in, no matter what hardships, no matter what barriers are around me or within me, I can move forward and be somewhere very different this time next year than I am today. So use the tools and, and all that good stuff. We're going to take a, another quick break. And then when we come back, we'll cement these ideas with the week's mantras. And then you'll be on your way to millions and billions of dollars <laughs> or euros or yen or whatever. <laughs> rupees, wherever you are. We love you. <laughs> um, okay, cool. We'll be right back. Okay, we're letting all of that wisdom settle in. It is time for our affirmations. Allow this to help change your money mindset. Um, if you have any other nuggets that spoke to you, write them down and recite them throughout the week. These are meant to help you develop that prosperity consciousness. So I'll say each twice, and then you can repeat in the space for the third. Um, the first one might challenge some of you, but as AJ and I were talking, he reminded me that nothing is good or bad until we assign it that meaning. So when I say this first mantra, I want you to notice what's stirred within and commit to it and see, see what beauty can be cultivated from it. So starting with number one, money is good. Money is good. Maybe just say it like two more times just to be sure. Cool. Number two, I embrace abundance and abundance embraces me. I embrace abundance and abundance embraces me. 
And third, this is something that Aja actually says himself. Aja, which one was it? I am in alignment with wealth and prosperity. I am prosperous. I am in alignment with wealth and prosperity. I am prosperous. So good. <laughs> I always feel rejuvenated after these conversations, which is how you know that it's real. Because if an introvert feels <laughs> energized, <laughs> but I swear the second you make it about small talk, I'm like, nah, bye. Gotta go. Um, all right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Um, you are beautiful and wonderful and you deserve everything under the sun and beyond in the galaxies. Um, make sure you share this episode with anyone who it can benefit and inspire. And if you haven't already, please leave a rating and review. <laughs> Be generous and abundant in that way too. Hey, um, <laughs> and I will catch you all next time for more Simplexity. It's anything but small talk. Peace. Bye.